0: Focused on helping organizations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others, and the planet. Welcome to episode 123 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Lisa Weiss on the show with us today. Lisa is a people centric, lean continuous improvement expert. Lisa supported the development of the US National Lean Initiative. Lisa is the Lean Program Director for Delaware MEP. She is a lead for curriculum development for the Association of Manufacturing Excellence. Lisa is here today to discuss people-centric leadership and its part in achieving enterprise excellence. Let's get into the episode. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brad. It's wonderful yeah, re- to be here.
0: Really appreciate it. Lisa, what's your backstory? What, what led you down this path towards into lean, but then I guess really looking at this aspect of people-centric leadership and I'm guessing how to really make lean work and get results and stick?
1: and make it stick yeah um well my background i'm actually a chemical engineer by degree but in 1996 i joined a nonprofit organization in the us it's part of a global network of uh nonprofits whose mission is to help small to medium sized manufacturers be more globally competitive and when I first started, they just told me, "Go help manufacturers." and I'm like, "Well what, is, what does that mean?" And at the same time, they were developing a program around lean and how to help companies adopt lean tools, lean principles, and lean techniques. And that's how I got involved in this this national initiative. So um, I spent the first you know five to ten years of my career with this organization going out and helping them adopt the tools and techniques of lean, you know, tax flow pools, um, strategy deployment, value stream mapping, problem solving, you name it, right? The whole gamut, going out, working with companies, um, implementing the basic tools of lean. And in all that time, we had success. We definitely had some success, but it, it wasn't sticking in, it wasn't as effective as it could be. And the other thing I noticed is as I went out and I worked with organizations and I worked with, with great organizations and really great people, people were frustrated. They, their voices weren't heard, they didn't feel appreciated and there was all this underutilized talent there. So there was this, this huge disconnect there. There's something that was wrong. And um, one of the things, if you think about lean, there's, there's two pillars of lean, right? There's continuous improvement, which are the tools and techniques. And then there's this thing called respect for people. And it's, it's interesting as organizations um, attempt to implement enterprise excellence or lean, they focus so much on the tools and then respect for people is like oh we respect people you know that's good we've got it so there is this whole missing aspect of enterprise excellence or lean that we've not really embraced around 2011 i was part of the association of manufacturing excellence it's actually a global organization i don't know are you familiar with it yeah, in- yeah. okay okay so you're part of it so um in 2011 the Association of Manufacturing Excellence, they're like, there's a problem here. We're missing something. We're so focused on the tools. What does this respect for people mean? What does it encompass? In, in, in so a group of us got together and we decided we need to define what this is. W- what is it about? What does it mean? And we got together, we did a lot of research. We talked to a lot of people and we put together um, basically curriculum for like an overview or one day course. Of what is, what is people centric leadership mean? What does it mean for res- to have respect for people? And I think the thing that's really interesting when we talk about people centric leadership, it's not that we don't have brilliant, great leaders who value and respect and care. They, they don't know how to really demonstrate it. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge. And so we set off to try and, define it, and give people a way to maybe redefine and relook at how they lead.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. But least in that time, I can see there's that real shift that you did from you know, rolling out lean and getting the tools and techniques out there to the part where you've gone, right, okay, it's actually this respect for people, this people-centric leadership that's critical. What was that time like switching from one to the other? like, Was there a real sort of moment of thinking like were you finding a lot of journeys and a lot of rollouts not getting the results that you thought or people not it not sticking like what was it like prior to this shift actually trying to really go into this how do you make it stick how do you truly get results
1: i think we're still in the middle of the shift i i i still think i mean even when i work with organizations today they're still focused on the tools and when you talk to them about the importance of leadership and, um, the, the way that leaders lead, I mean, and shifting from command and control to, you know, giving control, that's a huge shift. And a lot of, a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations have not really completely embraced it. So I don't think the shift is completely happened. I think we're still, we're still in the middle of it. We're still trying to encourage companies to recognize this, this respect for people and the importance of it um, as, they, as they roll out lean. I think from me, the organizations that I've worked with, that um, as they go through some of the, the uh, materials that we have and the courses, it's a big aha for them it's a huge aha. And in some ways, I think the progress, it might seem slower, but it's, it's, it's more sticky, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's instead of pushing tools, people are now bringing the tools in and they embrace it because they have control.
0: Yeah. They're using the tool when they need, they're drawing the tool when they need the tool. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Lisa, what does, what's involved in, people-centric leadership and this journey to really gear up people and help them become more effective at that because I really love that statement you made that it's not as if we don't have leaders who are really humble and really respectful and want to do the best by their people but there's just a gap of the knowing doing gap of how do you effectively do that what does it look like what does people-centric leadership look like
1: so um, in, in the course that we teach, we do a really fun exercise, and I actually recommend you do this in your organization if you can. We ask people to draw what does great leadership look like? And so it's interesting, a lot of people are like, oh my God, I never really thought of it. What, is, what does it look like? So everybody draws what does great leadership look like, and, and then we share with, with everybody what our, what our pictures are. And we use this, or, this exercise or we literally put it in our, um, our curriculum to demonstrate that everybody has a different picture of what great looks like. And it's really important for any organization to define what does great leadership look like in your organization, right? One of the things though, that that exercise taught me was that there is not one definition of what people-centric leadership looks like. We have to define it for our organization and for ourselves as well. And so, um, but there are certain elements and aspects of people-centric leadership that you probably would see in most organizations that are really doing this well. So there is not one definition, um, but there are certain elements. And as part of the group of people that came together to define what is people centric leadership with lean, you always have to have a house, right? (laughs) There's always a house of lean and, you know, the tools and stuff. So we came up with a house or a framework of what is people centric leadership? What does it look like, or what might it look like? And at the foundation of the house is the mindset of value, respect and care for people. So in any organization, defining what does great leadership look like and what is that mindset that you have to have that's going to drive the behaviors that you want to see? And it's a little different from just, you know, spouting off, oh, you have to be a great listener. It's saying that what people have to say is valuable and I want to hear what they have to say. So we go through an exercise and I think every organization has to do this themselves. They have to define what is that? What does it look like for this organization, for us? Because different cultures, different organizations, they're different. So that's the foundation. And then um, there are two pillars of the house. Leaning continuous improvement is really important for a people-centric culture. So the, it's not like the tools don't matter. They're, they're part of it. And then the other pillar is around building capability. And, and as a in a people-centric culture where we, we focus on building capability, the needs of the organization, but also meeting the needs of the, the individual. So it's, it's both. And then inside our house, we have leadership behaviors and management systems. And the key leadership behaviors that we identify, not that this is all inclusive, but the key leadership made, um, behaviors that we defined were self-reflection, humility, building relationships, communication and listening, and then celebration and recognition. So and again, that's not all encompassing, but those are some of the key behaviors that as a team, we had, we originally, I think we had 20 and we're like, okay, we can't do this. We got to narrow this down. And so there's the leadership behaviors, but then there's also the management systems that we put in place that are also within our house. And the management systems, the management systems that we have can either support a people centric culture or a culture of respect for people, or they can degrade it. So that's our house. And then, the, of course, the roof of our house, you have to have a roof. That's everybody flourishes, right? Not just the company, but the company, their stakeholders, their customers, their suppliers, the community, everybody flourishes. So that's how we defined and the framework that we use to walk through what is people-centric leadership look like.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. So I love it. You got the foundation of mindset, which is value, respect, and care. You've got the pillar on one side of lean and CI. On the other side, build capability, which is amazing. So I guess respecting uh-huh. people is about helping people reach their potential and which is you know ongoing. And then right. the management system and then mm-hmm. leadership behavior, those key leadership behaviors there with um so what do you find it takes to shift the mindset because even in australia you know australia we're we're a very by nature a country that doesn't like the tall poppy and we're very much about you know equality and we're a country (laughs) where we had a eureka stockade and then the head of the eureka stockade which was like a rebellion against the government and against police and then he ended up becoming a governor all this stuff of you know total egalitarianism
1: (laughs) But still, when
0: we go into leadership, we can still think we can still go to command and control because it can be we're the expert, we know best, we got to tell everyone how to do it, or we got to help them by just telling them everything how to do. But what do you find is required to help some leaders shift the mindset and actually get that mindset to that respect and care and value?
1: Um, people have to see for themselves. That they need to make this shift. I think it's real, I, I think like even, even today, we're not the only ones who see the need for this shift. This whole idea of culture, it, it's important, you know, and the way that we lead, and then we need to change the way that we lead. But the approach of coming in and telling a leader who is a command and control leader. You have to stop being a command and control leader. You're like doing exactly the opposite of what you're professing. Mm -hmm. So, so it's like, it's a difficult situation. You have to get people to evaluate for themselves. You have to coach them through and get them to evaluate how is your behavior helping and what can you do differently right getting people to evaluate what it is they're trying to accomplish what is it that they're trying to achieve getting them to evaluate then what are they doing to accomplish that and how effective is it and then getting them to evaluate for themselves what do they need to do differently Mm. so it's not you you can't come in and just tell and profess. It's it's you can't use a command and control approach to change people from being command and control, and so um, you know one of the things we did in the in the in the course and the curriculum and and the body of knowledge that we put together was to create that kind of experience um, in you know in in the course, and, and it's really it, it's also when we talk about building capability, it's also the approach that we encourage as you build capability. People need to evaluate. They're smart. They can figure this out. They can figure this out.
0: Yeah. The knowledge so is the, there. The the knowledge, the knowledge is there. Is there. And probably the desires there, it's just need to be unlocked. That's I right. Love, I love how you mentioned the piece there, because it links to that, um, you know, number five that you mentioned, which is lead behavior, but that simple piece of, what, how your behavior is helping and then what behaviors, what, how might that be hindering? Like, let's explore. That's that's powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's getting people to evaluate for themselves. What, what do you need to do differently? Mm. You know, we, 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 and that's all what lean is right. Lean in the tools and problem solvings, but we're focusing on specific, you know, ta- more tactical outcomes, but it's the same when we talk about people-centric leadership or leadership is evaluating how your behavior is impacting the organization and what you can do more effectively to get the outcomes you're looking for. Yeah. With, so, with,
0: with Lean and CI, um, what's your view and the, the view in the course on um, why Lean and CI is so good for people-centric leadership too, like how it, how it actually helps there.
1: So, I mean, Lean and CI is, is is centered around giving people control. Yeah. It really is. It's centered around, you know, you own your area, um, it, it, you know, visual controls. If you think about visual controls and putting visual controls in the workplace, it's all about doing that so people can control their own workplace, right? Um, we standardize things so people know how to do the work and they know how to improve upon it. Um lean, um, it lean gives you tools to help you be successful in your job. Mm -hmm. So, so the link there, um, is is so critically important. It, It really is. Um, you know, another aspect of, um, people-centric leadership. And we talk about what we, one of the key behaviors or that we talk about is about building relationships. That's really important and having strong relationships. And if we think about the tools and techniques of lean and how we approach it, it really is about building relationships and having that communication and coming together and bringing the people together that do the work. So they work together. They're not mutually exclusive. They work together. Mm-hmm. Um, But we need to spend a little more, like we spend so much time educating people on, you know, how to do um, flow and calculate tech time and all, but we don't spend time teaching people how to listen, Mm. you know, really how to listen and, 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 and what does it really mean to recognize people? And so, so we need to do both, right. Mm. We need to do both.
0: Mm, Effective teamwork and, Elements like that. And I'm guessing that links on to the number three element that you mentioned, which was build capability. Liz, yes. In a, in a people-centric organisation, like I see building capability can often be the people in culture or the HR department bringing in training that they think's needed and driving that training through the organisation. How do you see it's different in a people-centric um, journey where you really What does building capability look like there?
1: So well building capability is really understanding the individual the individual passions their unique capabilities um, and and allowing people to utilize those capabilities in the organization in order for them to grow so that's one aspect of it the other thing is um, it's the subtle day-to-day interactions in terms of building capability in terms of coaching, it's moving more from a teaching um, showing to more of a coaching um, approach to get people to think on their own, Mm -hmm. to think about what, you know, as leadership, um, command and control is when somebody has a problem, they come to you, you solve the problem. In a people-centric culture, we get people to define their problem by themselves, understand, you know, what really is happening, um, gather the data, people, we coach people, as opposed to give them the answer. So, um, you know, building capability is absolutely, definitely about understanding the individual and the unique talents and strengths of an individual. But it's also about how in day to day in every interaction that we have, we have the opportunity to get people to think more deeply. Mm. And and that's building capability.
0: Lisa has kindly provided us a free download of the People-Centric Leadership Framework to help us learn more. Go to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast website backslash downloads to get hold of the People-Centric Leadership Framework. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, that's that's neat, Lisa. Like I, I think I can really sense in that response that's about focusing on the individual, understanding the individual, and then helping the individual grow to reach their potential, which is very much more of a pool-based approach, isn't it? Because obviously that individual, you're collaborating with them either in one-on-ones or day-to-day, just mm-hmm. in general, out out in the floor or out in the field.
1: Right. Learning yeah. and then
0: helping them move forward for themselves and the business or the organisation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wanting Wanting people to be successful and wanting them to like you said, achieve, achieve their potential um, and and working on their strengths. It's Mm. so important. And and I I think the other thing um, that's important about, you know, when you talk about developing capability and you talk about coaching, there's a lot of misconceptions about um, how we go about it and how we do it. In terms of like, we talk in, in the class, we talk pretty extensively about criticism and feedback, and the detrimental effects of when you give somebody criticism or negative feedback, um, it actually undermines their, their um, energy, you know, and it, it kind of undermines them and their talents. And so what is a better way? What is a better approach Um, To give really, because people need feedback. It's a critical component of improvement is feedback. We just don't know how to give feedback very well. We're not very good at it. And so we talk talk about those things. I mean, the course is really centered about those little nuances that we don't really think about, that we've kind of learned all along are, this is what we're supposed to do as leaders. This is how we're supposed to do it. And come to find out there might be a better way. Mm -hmm. So we want informative feedback. People need information. They don't need judgment or criticism. They need information, and from that information, they can figure out this is what I need to do. This yeah. is how I can improve.
0: This with um, so. with coaching, from what I see, like I guess it's such a critical aspect of people centric leadership or achieving excellence or helping yes. people grow and reach mm-hmm. their potential. potential. But what I see is yes. everyone yes. goes, "Yes, I coach." Mm-hmm. But- Well, what is coaching? How do you coach? And in a lot of cases, it could be the perception of coaching is just just command and control. I tell them exactly how it is and where it is. But what what are you finding out there with people, I guess, looking at different ways of coaching and really trying to learn to get better at it versus just following habit? Are you you finding there's a real shift happening to truly look to learn and get better? Like For example, a concept like Grow. Grow's been around for a long time. Yes. And so John Whitmer, he got a night night ship for it, which I think is pretty cool. But uh-huh. what's your thoughts on, what are you seeing with that people, that whole coaching piece, which seems so important?
1: Um, it, it's, it's more difficult than we realize because we like to fall back, I think, into that command and control. And we think of coaching more as, um, we think of it more as telling people what to do or how to do things, instructing. And, and, those are, and those are critical components when you're helping somebody to grow, but we spend way too much time there and less on, on coaching. And I really like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Michael Bungey Stainer and yeah. some of his work. Yeah. Um, but he said one time, it's not that you have to be a coach. You have to just be more coach like, and I think that's a great statement because it's not like we all have to go through a certification and get certified in grows and all this stuff. All the mo- What's interesting is if you look at all the models, they're all very similar. They're all, they're all the same. They're all problem solving. Um, they're all, um, you know, basically what I said before is getting people to evaluate for themselves. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to yeah. achieve? What are you currently doing? Is it working? What can you do differently? They're all the same. So um it, just be more coach-like and also just being more curious. Yeah. That's another that? aspect of it, just being more curious about things. Yeah.
0: I remember listening so. to a podcast on Michael and you know, and and my brain just—I'm driving along, and I reflected on the concept of Toyota Carter. Well, what's your future state? You're trying to get to. Where are you currently at? Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the what's the next step? What's the challenges you're facing? Why? What's the next step? And then I thought of grow. Or oh, what's okay. your goal? You know, where are you currently at now? Like, <laughs> you know, Michael, but and I can't remember Michael's off the top of my head right at the moment. But Michael's was again. Much- where are you looking to go? Where are you at now? What what? <laughs> it's it's all the it's same. It's all the same. You know, like, well, there's something yeah. in that. You know, and I've yeah. I've just felt, I've got to admit, I've just fallen back on Grow because everyone knows uh, it. So that's why I just hang on Grow because it's like everyone knows it. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of the companies I work with, they've been trained to grow before. It's just that we're yeah. not using the Grow language. We know it, but we're not using it. Even right. myself, Lisa, like yeah. I catch myself and I'm like, I just did not coach. I, I just didn't <laughs> coach. And Oops, I go back to <laughs> I that, that opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Lisa, then well, I got a big a question for you on the management system, and what what are the key aspects of that management system? This is topic number four you mentioned with your house. What mm-hmm. what is some of the key elements of those management systems to truly help get a people centric organization?
1: So. We focus on um, the importance of goal setting, feedback, and alignment as the, the management system that you have in place. And you need a good system for that um, in an organization to have a people-centric culture because people people want to go to work and they want to know that they're, some, they're, they're part of something bigger than themselves. They want to know why it's important that I get this material from the doc you know, to the workstation at this time. What is my importance in all of this? So and it's amazing to me how many organizations don't have that basic management system in place. They don't. Mm. But so that is, we, we talk about that. But then the other thing is you can have quality management systems that are punitive or safety management systems that really don't care about the person going home healthy, safe, and happy every day—they're more to meet regulations, yeah. right? So, so, or and even accounting systems. So, all these systems that we have in place—they um, can actually undermine a culture as opposed to support it. Yeah. So the, we really f- go ahead.
0: The safety quality systems can be massive because the whole drive becomes we got to meet the auditor. It's all about the auditor and. People forget to ask for voice of the employee, voice of the customer to find out how do we actually Mm -hmm. make this work for you? How do we make it easy, make it flow? What do you need versus, no, there's this software and this software (laughs) just ticks the box on every aspect for us. Let's just drive this software throughout the business and, Mm -hmm. hey, we're safe. The auditor is going to be happy. Right. Well, you're going to miss two boxes there, which is people are going to use the software and the other one is what do people (laughs) actually need to be able to make right. it happen you know it goes oh it's just crazy
1: yeah yeah so i mean there's so many management systems that we have that need to be relooked at in order to really i mean we even talked about it you could probably create a whole a whole litany of coursework and curriculum just around those management systems because some of them are pretty either they're ineffective or they're destructive yeah. downright yeah. destructive
0: yeah, and it's, I guess there's an interesting thought of, well, why did you put the system in place and who did you involve <laughs> and collaborate with to put that system in place? You know, because yeah. it's obviously going to probably end up driving the result that you get is is mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's a that's a big topic that, Lisa. That's like a can of worms, yeah. and a massive one. Lisa, one management yeah, system I want to bounce off of you is that I see a lot of frontline teams in particular where they don't have a forum to improve, to think, to to know their goals, where they're at, where they're going, how they're tracking, where their problems are. And then you look at areas where you get scrums going or huddles going or toolboxes going with visual data and they're strategically aligned. It seems that that enables people to then actually have a forum to collaborate. And what's your view on that, helping set up that sort of management system?
1: Well, when you said it, like you even said it when you set up the management system, you got to involve the people mm. who work in the area. What do they need? Um, and you, well, you also said too, the importance of understanding what are the goals? What are you trying to achieve? What are objectives? How do we measure, you know, you need that. And then you need the people that are involved in the work to help develop and and build it. I've seen so many times, consultants or people come in and they just impose these management systems and and, and they they're just more waste (laughs) they're they're more waste and um people have got to own it they got to be involved and if you if you do that they work really well yeah they work really well
0: i've seen some of the (laughs) uh, messiest least pretty visual boards and setups that people do actually work the best like it's not But then you get a lot of cases where a company will just roll across the one system throughout the whole business and it's structured and there's a standard and you must use this pretty looking thing that has all the set boxes to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, and it's so fun because one of the, in my job, I go to a lot of different companies and you'll go through and you'll see all these great boards and you'll look at them and like the data is, you know, outdated. It's from five months ago. And, and, you know, well, you ask somebody, and you know, what does this mean? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. So if, if it's not useful to someone, why is it there? Mm. If you're not using it, why is it there? So you have to involve the people, um, you know, in the area as you, as you, you can have a structure or framework, but then they got to own it. And then they got to find, they got to see the value in it.
0: Yeah. They need their fingerprints all over it, I'm guessing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Lisa, the final um, topic we, you mentioned was leadership behavior. You know the and leadership behavior, I guess, plays a big part in a lot of the conversation we've had already. Like, how do you roll out? How do you roll out a safety system, quality system? How do you roll out um, goals or strategy and help people cl- connect or not? But what do you find? Uh, helps or doesn't help with leaders starting to look at their behaviors and starting to really look at ways of improving. You mentioned that drawing earlier on, which seems so powerful, but Uh on this topic, it seems like a big
1: one. Um, Probably the biggest leadership behavior that is deficient is listening. And 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 in terms of really really listening, most people like. Have you ever taken a class on listening? Have you ever taken a listening class?
0: Uh, only only on active listening and empathy. Um, Stephen Covey, his work, right? Yeah. So okay, those types of things.
1: Okay, so so most people have never taken a class on listening, or if they've taken a class. They've never actually gone and practiced and utilize what they've learned, right? Mm-hmm. So leaders and most people, and, and I'm right in there with you. I'm like, I am not the best listener. Um, but listening is probably the most important behavior for a leader um, and, and really honing that skill. And then I would take it to another level which kind of brings in the whole psychological, psychological safety and all. It's not just being a good listener. It's creating an environment in which people want to speak up. Mm. They feel comfortable speaking. It's one thing to be able to listen when people speak. It's another thing as a leader to create that environment um, in which you want to hear people and they know it. And so they do speak up.
0: Yeah, that's, that's I think that's important. Give everyone a voice, and the behaviours that allow allow that. Lisa, earlier yes. on in the episode, you mentioned the importance of being able to define these things and then measure it and track it forward. What does that look like? You know, we, you've you've got the house, we we've got the pillars, and mm-hmm. then we get knowledge and capability. Like, it sounds like your course is very facilitative, and it allows people to explore and delve for themselves too. But what right. does then being able to define it and measure it and track? how we're going and these things look like.
1: Yeah, that's, that is a challenge in terms of defining it. I mean, some organizations have um, uh, guiding principles of leadership and they, it really is defining the mindset, right? And so they're developed collaboratively and um, with the leadership team and input from everybody. So they develop these guiding principles of leadership and they explain to everybody what they mean because everybody's a leader. So there's these guiding principles of leadership. In, in some organizations um, they're the core values, but they're more than just you know words on a wall. They they they're explained, people use these core values to make decisions. So um, so sometimes they're embodying core values and people live them and they're, you know, they're they're part of their culture. Sometimes they're guiding principles, but, um, but we also then have to, you know, work with leadership in terms of communicating and and defining what those expectations are. So, um, I mean, that's usually typically what companies use today is core values. I've heard other terms they use, but, that's how we define it, and it's important. I, I, I talked to a small a small firm in as um, part of the Association of Manufacturing Excellence, who's known for their um, approach and respect for people. And they said, you know, we never really sat down and defined what does leadership look like. And they said, and when we did it, it was like kind of eye opening because we all, we, we suddenly realized we all had these different perceptions. And that's kind of what you're trying to do is you're trying to get everybody on the same page as to what your expectations are on mm. leadership.
0: Yeah. And then I can hear from you, it's about actively using it, you know, becoming part yes. of what we do and everything we do.
1: Yes. And that's where the coaching comes in is somebody who can, you know, check us and say, okay, when you just, you know, spoke up in that meeting and you said this, how does that align with this behavior or whatever? So we're we're actually helping people all along to try and then coach them towards towards those behaviors that we're looking
0: for. Mm-hmm. Helping people reflect and learn and grow, which links back yes. to, like you said, coaching uh, the whole yeah, exactly. Oh, thanks exactly. for that, Lisa. Lisa, what would be Your two-minute tip to an organization or a leader going, okay, we want to um, consider people-centric leadership going forward. What would your Enterprise Excellence two-minute tip be in this topic to them?
1: I think it would would start with really defining what does it mean? What does great leadership look like? What does great leadership mean in your organization? And, And getting these different perspectives from from throughout the organization not just the senior leadership but throughout the organization what does it mean what does it look like and then getting comfortable with giving control Mm -hmm. getting comfortable with giving control to others is really important yeah it's really important
0: yeah, cascade that control and empowerment and then through. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. It. And Lisa, what's been a recent insight for you? Like I can hear throughout your career you've had many insights and you've had a, a journey there. What's been a recent insight for you? It's
1: funny that you asked that question. I mean, it's, it's right after the first of the year and everybody makes New Year's resolutions, right? And um, I was thinking about it and I was like, myself included, we always make new year's resolutions about very tactical stuff, right? We want to grow sales. We want to improve changeover. We want to do this, but rarely do we make resolutions about, you know, I want to improve my relationship with this person, right? I want to strengthen my relationship, maybe with my team, maybe with one person on my team, maybe, you know, personally. Um, I really want to understand, how somebody, where their strengths are and how we can better utilize them and how I can help them grow in the organization. Whether it's somebody who works for you or you work for them. Like it occurred to me, it's like we tend to focus very much on the tactical stuff and the things we want to accomplish as opposed to the people side of things.
0: Mm.
1: And maybe we we need a balance of both. Yeah. We need a balance of both.
0: It's a pertinent insight that you've given, Lisa, because I listened to the Harvard podcast recently this week, and they had an episode where they've studied human happiness in a group of people for 80 years, going to the second generation, third generation. Right. One of the two, one aspect was health, but the other critical aspect was human connection at work or at home or anywhere as a determinant of happiness, like the top two. Like right. hitting your goals and your KPIs and earning more money didn't even enter the equation, as long as you had basic living covered. But um, right, yeah. So what you've just yeah. said actually aligns to that eighty-year study of what's most important for happiness, which is and well-being. You know, it's it's amazing, but we overlook it yeah. often. We don't
1: think we about do. it. We do. We do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that study, by the way. That's the Waldinger, is it? Yeah. It's currently running that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's important. Yeah. Relationships are key. Relationships yeah. are key.
0: At work as much as at work as at home. Yes. Well, well Lisa, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and helping us create a better future. How can people reach out to you, Lisa, if they want to learn more, get on the course and, you know, really get going forward in this area.
1: Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can reach out to me um, through LinkedIn and people can email me or they can reach out to the Association of Manufacturing Excellence. Um, they have information. We periodically run the people-centric leadership course. It's a lot of fun because you we do it virtually and you can get people from all over. And we have had people from all over the world participate and get seeing those different perspectives is awesome.
0: Yeah, that's neat. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing knowledge and helping us create a better future. Bye for now. All
1: right. Thank you. Cheers.
0: What a great episode. Remember, you can download the people-centric leadership framework at enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. Firstly, mindset of respect and care as a foundation to the people-centric leadership house. The mindset of respect and care will naturally start us living the critical behaviors Lisa mentioned of listening and taking a coaching approach, truly focusing on helping people grow and improve in an empowered way. The second key takeaway for me was a conversation around the importance of management systems that have been deployed with the right intent and in the right way involving those who are the customers and users of the system the more people who use the system can be actively involved in its design and ongoing improvement the greater the respect for people shown and the greater engagement ownership and results that will be achieved thanks again for your time and knowledge lisa thanks for helping us create a better future bye for now